Welcome to What's Your Hustle. In this part two episode, Larissa and I talk about growing through breakdowns, shedding perceptions, and the hard messiness along the way. So let's get into it. Here's six through 11 of What's Your Hustle, the things we've learned with my guest, Larissa Kovalenko. Um, I got a couple like quick ones. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I've got a, one like big long yeah. doozy of one. Okay. This is number six. Six. Six is a quick one for me. Mm. Um, one thing that I learned in 2022 is how to love moving my body in a healthy way. Oh, I love that. I <laughs> set a goal for myself at the beginning of 2021 that I wanted to fall in love with working out again. That was like my number one thing on my list because as somebody who is actively in eating disorder recovery, who is actively in exercise obsession recovery, it was an essential thing for me to figure out. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I've been dealing with all sorts of injuries over the last couple of years and I used to love the gym. But very quickly, the gym became a place where I would go to self-mutilate and mm. self-loathe and where I would hurt myself repeatedly in all sorts of different kinds of ways. Yeah. And so, yeah, I went through two different trainers. Um, I learned through those first two trainers sort of how to communicate my boundaries, my needs, sort of what I wanted, and things didn't work out with those two trainers. But my third trainer has been the perfect fit. Yeah. Um, neurodivergent, queer, flexible, easy. And I felt like the from the very first time that we sat down and we had a meeting and I just word vomited, this is who I am as a client. These are my deal breakers. These are my red flags. Like, this is what I require from you. Can you do it? He said yes. We had a couple of bumps in the beginning of the road, but we stuck it out. And now it's like, I could go to the gym today and probably have a good workout on my own and feel confident. And the fact that I'm saying that out loud yeah. is wild. Oh, because a your year, growth. literally a year ago, I, I don't think I could have stepped into a gym. Yeah. I was really still at big odds with picking things up and putting them down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I have just been so compassionate and gentle with myself. Like, I've only worked out two or three times a week. I never really do cardio. Mm-hmm. I squat really heavy. Good. I chest press. I never used to chest press. <laughs> but it's, it's yeah, I, I haven't really gotten injured. I just, yeah. like, I feel good. And I'm really excited to see how this continues to unfold for mm-hmm. me. I'm really proud of myself. Good. Because, yeah. Proud of you, too. I really never thought I would get back to this point after everything (laughs) I've been through with fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you were able to, like, grow from that trauma. Um, That sort of, like, let me try it. Do you think that you have? or? I mean, I think for me it was, like, when I started started kind of tiptoeing back into the world of fitness again and when it wasn't really sticking I really wanted to give up Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be like this is just never gonna work 
Yeah. This is just not, I am just, I cannot go back here. There's too much trauma. This is just not for me. Mm. But I stuck with it and I just like, I just kept pushing. And I, I think the, some of the things that we've already talked about of just like making room for me to be who I am and yeah. rather than me making concessions and compromises, me finding where I fit. Yeah. And I realized that like with exercise, I, need it to be joyful mm-hmm. i need it to be fun mm-hmm. i need it to be stimulating mm-hmm. and i get all of those things out of working out with a, a personal trainer yeah and it's almost like i'm being tricked every session where i show up and it's like all of a sudden we're just like telling stories and talking a million miles an hour and it's like an hour <laughs> later my session's <laughs> over and i'm like what just happened i blacked out yeah but i'm sweaty yeah and i feel strong and it's kind of it's it's i feel like i've almost just like brainwashed myself back into like working out but in the healthiest way possible yeah where now i can feel myself crave it but in a different way that i've never felt before Mm. it's like i crave exercising because it's like almost been reinforced in my brain that it's going to give me joy yeah rather than like i have to do this otherwise i'm going to feel bad about myself for not doing it it's like no I want to go to the gym because I'm gonna have fun and it's gonna be like silly and it's like no pressure like I could literally go and like stretch my legs out for half an hour but if I have fun doing it great versus before it would Mm. be like if I didn't go to the gym I would be like I would say really mean things about my body Mm. and really mean things about myself and then when I was at the gym it was like I have to make use of every ounce of time and every piece of equipment and I have to like leave here exhausted Mm. because that means I put in the work and that's what's going to like pay off that's how I'm going to see results but it's like I'm not seeking results right now I just want a healthy habit yeah and so it's like I'm I'm becoming addicted to the gym in a healthy addiction (laughs) way versus a negative addiction way yes so yeah oh I love that me too my next one is timing is everything Timing is everything. Ain't that the truth? Everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And if it is meant for you, it will be for you. There is, I, case in point, our relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Timing yes. is legitimately everything. And you've said that this in the last podcast that thank God for COVID because it opened so many doors that weren't completely shut but they just opened them back up with a different door hinge doorknob different key Mm. and the key now is brighter it gives more space it comes with growth and understanding it comes with patience it comes with unconditional love it comes with like a space of familiarity and family and I don't think that that would have happened if it wasn't for COVID and so that's like for that and just timing of life I don't think I would have known what I know now if I had done those things we said earlier like the things I thought I failed myself on which I didn't I know that now but if all of those things happened I probably who knows where I would be I don't know but that wasn't in the plan and that's the path that changed and I'm so glad that it did 
I'm so glad that it wasn't that path and I'm so glad that timing if you let it and give space for yourself to enjoy the things that you love and give space to be open and give space for everything timing works in so much of your favor if you just let it I think it's just everything I think things happen for reasons at times to teach you so many lessons yeah I feel like time it's like certain things come your way when you're not cooked yeah you're not ready to come out of the oven for them yeah but that doesn't mean that other things aren't coming yeah that you might actually be able to show up fully for because you'll actually be cooked very much like you sharing about going and doing things on your own yeah that if those things came your way when you were younger you might not have been able to show up and like trust yourself Mm -hmm. and be able to handle it so it's a it's it's so funny because it's like trust the timing of your life it's like live laugh love (laughs) it's like such a it's such a it is very cliche it can be cliche but i think in in the way that we're talking about it i think that it it has legs i think that it's it's one of those things that like like self-love that you have to just much as you have to trust yourself you have to also trust the timing of everything yeah and just like um it's number seven wow okay so um this is another just kind of like lighter one um so I used to be when I was a kid I would read so much Mm. like I would lock myself in my room and consume books at an unhealthy pace I didn't want to hang out with friends I just wanted to read yeah so then I thought, hmm, maybe one day I will be an English professor. Oh. I'm going to study English literature and <laughs> I'm going to teach it because I'm supposed to be a teacher. <laughs> Fast forward to 33 years old and um, on my anti-racist um, decolonizing bullshit and I realized how much of the shit I was forced to read as a kid was fucked and whitewashed <laughs> and not for me. Um and so I stopped reading and I stopped consuming mm, information. Interesting. And one thing I learned about myself in 2022 is that this person, me, I don't know why I'm calling myself this person. <laughs> I was going to say this bitch and then I was like, I'm not a bitch. I don't want to call myself a bitch. But um, I love podcasts. Good. I'm happy personally. I mean, great. okay. I know, I know like me saying this is just like, wow, what a revelation. You love podcasts. But no, like I. Some people hate podcasts. Let's just be real. Some, some people can't stand other people dictating conversations to them. And there is such a like, there is this like uppity, buppity thing about, oh, you should read a, like a book a month, a year. And like, oh, I've read so many books and my brain is so full of all these books I've read. Well, guess what? Apparently, listening to podcasts activates the same part of your brain as reading books. Hmm. Boom. I also find a lot of books about the things that I like to listen to do not pique my interest in the same way. Yeah. Like, I love listening to science podcasts. I love listening to um, political podcasts, sociological, anthropological, historical podcasts. I don't want to read about those things because the, the books 
are dry. Yeah. They are bland. Yeah. They are stuffy. And also, in understanding my neurodivergency. I was just going to say. And my <laughs> verbal processing. <laughs> I realized the big reason why I struggled so much in university is because I learn so efficiently and effectively when I hear something. Mm. And when I hear it at a speed mm-hmm. that my brain has to keep up with. Yeah. So in 2022, I learned that if I listen to podcasts on 1.2 times or 1.5 times, I will absorb the information so much better than if they listen to it at normal speed. Interesting. And my brain has just become this like garbage dump of data of all of these podcasts that I've listened. Like I'm just waiting for my Spotify unwrapped and it is going to be like this year (laughs) you listen to 80,000 hours of podcasts. But it just I'm so proud of myself because I used to be so hard on myself. I wanted to be that person that read books. I thought that that was making me elite and seeming successful. Again like putting on appearances i have shelves full of books at home that i've never read mm-hmm. ever i've like barely even cracked them but i've been like oh this is the book this is what's going to get me to fall back in love with reading and yeah. then it just sits on my damn shelf and collects dust but this year i tried a new medium i tried podcasts on and now i cannot imagine ever not listening to them or even audiobooks like yeah. my audible subscription Mm -hmm. i use the full breadth of and i'm so glad that i do yeah and it's just like again making space for things about yourself that you cannot change yeah and compromising and adjusting because i love to learn but if i don't want to learn by reading a book that's okay i can learn by listening to a book and it's far less bland and i can water all of my plants at the same time and multitasking (laughs) hello Yes. So yeah, that's it's it's a silly, it's a light thing, but it was like no. a huge thing for me. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Number seven. Okay. Growing is hard and messy. And it can get it goes back to the first thing that I said. Um, it can get lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Growing. <laughs> I mean to grow, you have to especially as a human, it's like I feel like there's two ways there, that you grow. You either like put information in your brain you synthesize and you do different or you break down and build back up again yeah and i think a lot of the time as humans we have to break down break down and come back yeah it's like unlearning to like do better learn to better yeah i started my therapy journey in pandemic like 2021 because it came from this person i knew that i to be to be honest, people are gonna listen to this and be like, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> that I was like back and forth with him from like when I was sixteen to twenty six. I let this person go, and I was like, you know what? We're not. It's not gonna happen. We're not meant for each other. That's fine. Um, because there are just certain things that I had put my boundaries up of how I should be treated and respected. Mm-hmm. Told this person this, and then we ended our friendship. Cool found out that this person got married and it sent me for a spiral because i again it goes back to the love that i thought would validate me would be the love of a significant other and why didn't i deserve to be married so that sent me in a spiral of i wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. because of xyz whatever reasons like self-worth all that stuff so that's why I went to therapy because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough of love and I didn't think that I was enough for love. Mm-hmm. So my breakdown was quite literally a breakdown. I cried, cried like I called for like 
like a phone therapist to refer i called my family doctor to get a therapist to refer right so my breakdown literally was a breakdown to grow back up yeah and it's one of these things that yes i had to break to grow back up because it it was necessary it was so fucking messy and hard i cried every time i had a therapy session and that's just how my emotions come out we're a pisces we they just come out through our eyeballs um it doesn't matter if i was happy sad or had a breakthrough i would just cry but i equated those to the tools that i was building in order to grow and it was hard it was hard to finally get to a place where i am more than enough i am worthy of love i'm worthy of my own love i'm worthy of my own validation because that's all that matters is my own validation tom Mm -hmm. dick and harry can go fuck off (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of that too was just like i am worthy of amazing things and i need to believe in it for myself first because i have you i have my family i have people that support me and know and want beautiful things for myself but for you personally to get there for yourself is messy well and like you went through something for 10 years and that is going to alter the way that your brain works yeah like brains are neuroplastic they can be changed habits pattern cycles can all be changed but 10 years especially when your brain is not done developing Mm -hmm. into those those 20s where it's like maybe you're starting to kind of experience culture and media differently because you're seeing yourself as the age of these people who are influencing you and you're there's a lot of comparison going on plus like that trauma that back and forth and up and down messiness like that really does shape your brain yeah so it's like as you're physically having to break down to grow again you're having to like learn and unlearn and learn and unlearn with a dysregulated nervous system because that's the tears that's the emotions absolutely that's the like the frenetic emotions that are stemming out from like happy sad whatever is Mm. and it's like for you to be out of it finally yeah to then be safe yeah that is when i feel like the breakdowns happen is mm-hmm. when you're finally safe yeah. and out and away from the trauma and past it and in a resting point that is when you you do fully break down and I'm really happy that you were able to find help that got you to where you are today because yeah. that's no easy feat it's not it does I understand that it takes a toll on next relationships if you haven't gotten to a point where you can build tools of that'll help you communicate and navigate and be safe within yourself to be safe with another person to to say this is how i feel about this this is how i like to be treated Mm -hmm. this might change right are you willing to go on this journey with me Mm -hmm. whether it be a significant other whether it be a friend whether it be a parent whoever in your family yeah are you willing to go on this journey with me and embrace this messiness with me because this is where i'm at right now yeah because like there is that whole like adage of like um you can't love another until you love yourself but i do fully believe that 
it is one thing to love yourself. It is another thing to learn how to maintain that self-love like we were talking about while cohabitating with another person, their baggage, their triggers, their trauma, their history, their love languages, whilst trying to maintain your own like holistic balance and like sense of self. Yeah. Like, and also like learning how to, there are ways in which you care for yourself that once you let another person in, you're entrusting them to share some of that labor with you of like your own self-care and say like them running, like getting groceries or them cooking dinner one night. Like you would normally be independent and now you're like letting your guard down and letting them do that for you. (laughs) But then it's like, it's also going vice versa because as much as you're letting them do labor for you, you also have to do labor for them because it's a... You know, shared experience yeah you're co-creating this like life. partnership yeah. and this life and it's never there's no clear path and it's you almost have to break yourself down when you enter a relationship to build up a, a new version of yourself yeah to cohabitate with another yeah and that's gonna be scary it's hard it's gonna always be it's gonna be scary it's gonna be hard but it's i think it's part of the growth I think it's part of being human. Yeah. Like, I feel like we were done a disservice in a lot of the media and culture that we consumed as as kids because we didn't really get to see the messy nuances of what it means to be an adult. No. We saw a lot of, like, tropes. Yeah. Of, like, divorce. Mm. Or, like, you made a mistake and got caught. Mm. Like, I'm just thinking of, like, every storyline from Full House ever. (laughs) Right? But, like, you never really see the the actual... Messiness. And, like, the internalized messiness, too. Yeah. Like, maybe more so now in, like, culture and media. And also with, like, like, things like TikTok and YouTube where people are talking so much more about these experiences that make them human. Mm. But isn't it so interesting to think about how validating it would have been to have seen some of this as a kid to know how normal this is yeah and that this is just like part of being an adult because i don't know about you but for me like i had a lot of resistance to the dysregulation and like the and like the unlearning and how messy growth was Mm. i was like i'm not doing it right Mm. like it's it's not supposed to be this hard yeah I'm the problem here. Mm. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm done. Um, but yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I really, I resisted a lot of, of that. Growing. Like messy, growing pains. Yeah. It took a long time for me to accept that that was just part of being human. Yeah. And so it's cool that you, you acknowledged it and you got help rather than like resisting it and festering in it because i think that's where i caused a lot of my own trauma is festering in it Mm. the thing too why you know why didn't you get help sooner did you this because i've had friends that did suggest like therapy sooner than Mm -hmm. when i did but i just wasn't ready trust the timing of everything (laughs) it's out there yeah because if you're not ready you're not ready you can't save her if she don't want to be saved that's right number eight Mm. So, this is more of an in-progress one. Yeah. But this was one that I learned in 2022. Um, I learned that dance 
as a medium will always re-traumatize me because of how much trauma I've endured while as a working dancer. Um, no matter how much I pour movement into other folks, it will not heal my own relationship with dance. Is it specifically as an educator or as you move your body? Everything. So in 2019, 2018, I started going to therapy, but I started taking therapy really seriously um, about midway through 2020. And in 2022, I really was working on my relationship with dance in therapy. And my therapist said to me one session that it was in her humble opinion that until enough time has passed, the dance will always be traumatizing to me mm-hmm. because dance is always, not always, but like dance has been the source of some of my biggest triggers and trauma from being bullied, being injured, um, only having access to like community league recreational dance. So then when I did try and go into more advanced technical classes, I was so far behind and I felt so self-conscious. Mm. Um, my learning differences as a neurodivergent person instead of being a neurotypical person really showed up in the dance studio. Um, being sexually assaulted yeah. by a dance teacher in the community, witnessing sexual assault and sexual exploitation in the dance community, being body shamed consistently. Mm. Even just the like social norms of the way in which other dancers would connect in the studio and mm-hmm. me feeling like I would have to put on a mask to get along. Yeah. And then even the isolation that I endured as a leader in the community. Because when you're a leader, there's always a degree of separation between you and those that you're leading. And I had been traumatized by some of the leaders um, within my dance community in different ways. And then as a leader myself, I faced a lot of backlash and a lot of trauma and like just making things up as I go and not having anyone to turn to, not having a mentor and just trying to figure it out and like <laughs> throwing spaghetti at the wall waiting for yeah. So I find that even now when I dance that it it does poke a button in me of like a trauma button, mm. a trigger button. And I have to be really mindful of it. Yeah. Um even like even just the injuries that I have faced as a dancer over the years have been so traumatic. So I made a really hard decision in 2022 to stop teaching. Yeah. Um, I still do like one-on-one kind of coaching because that I feel like being able to, to set boundaries in a one-on-one situation of like, this is exactly who I am as a coach, take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. And then also getting to build a safe connection with a student from the ground up in a Mm -hmm. one-on-one session that is really the only time that dance feels super safe to me. So that's what I'm doing right now. It's on your own terms. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm really trying to wrap my head around how to have dance in my life and to have it fill me up and bring me joy again. And the only way I can figure that out is by taking a bit of a break yeah. and by doing things 
differently rewriting my script because I think for a long time I felt like I was doing things habitually Mm -hmm. and I was doing things in service of others Mm -hmm. regardless of how much it was re-traumatizing me or hurting me or going against my values or not Mm. paying me enough or whatever and so yeah I in 2022 I made the decision to take a bit of a break and reevaluate and figure out what dance means to me because I think I've always defined myself as a dancer like oh what do you do well I dance oh but I want I want to get more specific and I want also to get more honest because there are times where I'll go months without moving my body yeah but I still consider myself a dancer yeah I, there are months where I'll go without taking a dance class, but I still call myself a dancer. And that's okay. I yeah. still am a dancer. But I want I want to be really honest and authentic in it. And I want it to be joyful. And I want it to be a release. I don't want it to be a trigger. Yeah. So that's what I mean by like work in progress. And I, yeah. I kind of know where I'm at, but I don't know where I'm going. And yeah. it's, it's a goal I'm setting for myself in 2023 is to really figure out how dance fits into my life. Mm. And myself first and however that is it sounds like i use dance as a sort of like a metaphor for the feminine energy mm-hmm. and it sounds like you're still like it goes back to one of your first ones of mm-hmm. figuring that out yeah because femininity and was such a performance for me for so long and then like so much of how i identified as a dancer was directly connected to how i thought i needed to be in my femininity thin and long Mm. and like tight and even just the way that I would move like in four inch heels with like my butt sticking out like all of these things that there's nothing wrong with them but they didn't feel right on me yeah and I just was doing them because I felt like I had to yeah and so what what is the kind of dance that I do because I want to do yeah. And because I leave feeling better than when I walked in yeah. or lighter than when I walked in. And that's sort of like a, a decision I made in 2022 <laughs> and a goal I'm setting for myself moving forward. Because yeah. I never thought I could fall in love with lifting weights again. And I have. So I'm like, maybe I can fall in love with dance again and have it not be traumatic. And maybe yeah. I just have to like set my mind to it. Yeah. Make it a priority. Yeah. And, you know, a part of you that like any like this relationship maybe it's just a part of you that's just willing just waiting for another door to be open mm-hmm. so that you can welcome it so the unafraid. timing's right yeah <laughs> and so i can i can break myself down and and make Build space for myself up. yeah wow, look it's at like us. we're doing therapy it's in like a podcast <laughs> proud of us none of us are licensed <laughs> please seek out a licensed therapist absolutely <laughs> My number eight, people will leave your life. People will leave your life. For better or for worse. But I believe that they leave your life for a reason. And it's not like a sad, oh, they've passed thing. And sometimes it is a sad that, you know, oh, they've moved or they just, you lose contact with them or whatever else, right? Um but I've learned if it's a genuine person in your life, they will come back fully for good reasons. But they leave your life, if they're a good person, they leave your life to teach you a lesson as well. Um, 
so like we had a friend and apparently this person just left my life like i would try to reach out and whatever else and they just refused like no phone calls or whatever and if they saw me in public they would ignore me um it's only so i used to feel bad about that like i used to feel like it's my fault kind Mm -hmm. of thing right but now i'm like you know what if that person was in my life i have no idea the type of person i would be and i like who i am now without them in my life than i than i thought i would do you know what I mean? Because I feel like when you're young and you make friendships and relationships, you're like, oh, this person's going to stay in your life forever and it's going to be great and dandy. And you don't know what you know now because hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but people will leave your life. And I think there's a big lesson in that. And now when people leave my life, I take it as a lesson that they don't they are like seasons their season in my life is done and it's time to move on i have lots of feelings about this (laughs) but where i want to start and i can't believe i'm doing this but i watched a movie last night yeah called barbarian oh my god on disney plus it is i actually enjoyed it it was like the kind of culty it was so weird where it like (laughs) it it, it, like it progressed so quickly and it got so weird and then it got like kind of fucked up oh my god there was some like misogyny tropes in it that i didn't really care for but like that's a whole other however one of the characters in the movie said something and i anytime that i like hear a line like a one hitter that i like i just write it down because you yeah. never know when you're might you want to talk it. about it. So the line that this person, this character in the movie was like, there's always going to be people who project some sort of dynamic onto you that serves them. And so it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to play ball. That's actually my number. That's so <laughs> typical of us. But yeah, as you were talking, that is what was coming into my mind. Cause it's like, especially even as I, like, I remember being in my twenties and making friends with people because they gave off something in their energy that I didn't and yeah. that I wanted to feel or that I wanted to be a part of yeah. or that I wanted to like learn. The pick me. Yeah. Or like people who, you know, were like successful and you wanted to understand like their like brains around success. People who are fun and like to party because yeah. they could bring out like different bits of your character. Yeah. And I found like when I was younger, it was easy for me to turn off parts of myself and then turn on the parts that would work with that friend. Yeah. But now in my 30s, I cannot do that. I have like different friends for different things, but more often than not, all of my friends kind of tick the same boxes Mm -hmm. in terms of like values, dynamic, like self-growth and perspective and whatever. And a lot of... I don't know. My my seasonal friends are different now. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. My seasonal friends are different. I'm finding that as I'm older, I have less and less friends, um, which is fine. <laughs> I always like my sister's like always ask. She's like, ask your friends. I'm like, I don't have friends. I just have you guys. And then you're all busy. Who am I going to ask? That goes back to you. You're going to have to do shit by yourself because mm. your friends got lives. 
Mm. And they're not always going to be able to come on that journey with you. Your friends are also always going to want to share the same experiences with you, right? Like there are some experiences that are like, this is an experience that I want to have with this kind of person. Exactly. And then there are experiences where you're just like, no, like I think I probably just need to do this on my own. And so it's just one of these things like where my seasonal people come in to teach me something about myself for that moment. And more often than not, they teach me about the type of people I do and do not want in my life. Do you feel like you learn those lessons in real time or do you feel like those are hindsight lessons? Those are hindsight lessons. Yeah. So real time, when do you know that somebody is on their way out of your life? When they're, like you said, when their values don't align with mine. And I can like, I, I don't know if you have this too, but for me, it's an intuitive thing now. Mm-hmm. Because I've grown so much into who I am that I can almost feel that this person is just here for this service conversation or this person is here for this opportunity or this person is here for this period of my life. Because this obviously goes both ways. Yeah. Right. Like there are people that view me the same. Yeah. Yeah. Are you aware of when that's happening? Of when it's like the role reversal of like somebody has found you and has learned a lesson from you and then has exited or you exit? Like, do you ever have that awareness? Not really. Yeah. But I always take every interaction that I have with a new person. I'm the type to let them. We talked about this at breakfast, actually. So we have people in our lives that dominate conversations. Yeah. I'm the type of person in a room, if I'm in a room with a new person, people, I just fall back. Interesting. I always fall back because I like to observe who is around in my room and my energy. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't, I networking is fine if I have to do it. If it's a work thing, I'll go and network, right? Right. But if I'm there just at a party... Mm-hmm. And somebody invited me and I'm there. I typically just fall back. And you'll find me at the snack table because snacks are delicious. I mean, who doesn't like free food? <laughs> but I typically am just like, I I don't like, this is un-Leo characteristic of me. I don't like being center of attention if it's a big crowd of people. Mm-hmm. I like to fall back and observe. Because I don't like to give energy to people I don't really no uh-huh. and to be genuine about it like i'll be genuine because i'm there's nowhere else i can be anymore right right growing like there's no one else i have to be me and if they like me for me they like me for me if they don't they don't but i can't i'm not again it goes back to my last point that i'm gonna make for my number 11 but it's not my job for their perception of me no it's not and it's that's a hard thing to shed yeah it's a very hard thing to shed because especially in social situations and engaging with new people there is often this sort of unspoken expectation of rapport building of like think about those like there's even a show on netflix right now that's all about like manners and etiquette Mm. right of this sort of like politeness and this like engaging way that you're supposed to connect with new people because it's polite yeah so it's like how do you find that happy medium between entering new spaces and being open to connection but not 
being willing to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a million dollar question, I guess. It is, yeah. Okay. Number nine. Oh, number nine. Yeah. Cats have nine lives. Um. So before we were talking about um, trust the timing. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about how time is finite. Oh. Yeah. Okay. In 2022. Yeah. I realized that time is finite. Yeah. Um, as are some opportunities and as are chapters with people as are chances mm. um the time that you have with your parents oh god yeah the time that you have to pursue pursue certain dreams and aspirations yeah um especially in my industry uh where so much of entertainment is built on youth and is built on not aging mm. there's a lot of grieving that i had to do when i realized that there are certain things that I'm probably just never going to do. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, I think like one big like epiphany I had in 2022 was that I looked at life like it was a carousel Mm -mm. that like I could hop on and hop off and that like certain opportunities would like come around again, like around and around it goes and that I'd have the chance to like ride the ride again but I think just like between COVID and just like some of the other things that I've experienced this year and over the last couple years it's like life doesn't work that way and that's was a really hard like delusion for me to wake up from yeah um there are times where like certain opportunities or people or chances come into your life and there's a good chance that you're not going to be ready for them. Yeah. And having to make that decision of like in that moment, do I trust myself enough to try this and maybe fail Mm -hmm. and maybe fuck up and maybe it not work out, but at least then I can say I tried and I don't regret not seizing the opportunity. Yeah. Or do I let the carousel go? Mm. knowing that there's a good chance it's not going to come back around and then you have to live with never knowing yeah that's been a really like big bombshell sort of thing that I've had to wrap my head around this year of like you think that you're going to have the chance to like play ball and you think that you're going to have the opportunities to like sit on the bench and rest but, like, you really have no no choice when certain things come your way. Yeah. And that split-second decision, whether it's, like, you have, like, ample time to, like, reflect and make a decision. Yeah. Or whether in your sitting and, like, waiting to make a decision, you miss the opportunity altogether. Or you make a split-second decision and it all blows up in your face. Yeah. It's just really interesting as you get older and you start to develop that, like, a sense of awareness mm-hmm. around... And for me, a lot of it came from grieving. Yeah. Like grieving things I didn't realize I was going to have to grieve. Like grieving lost time spent pining over people or things that weren't meant for me. Yeah. Grieving over trauma that stood in the way of me being able to be present in experiences. Mm. Um. 
grieving choices that I made to put other people's needs above my own. Yeah. But yeah, it's all of this like considered, I think one thing that I found really impactful in terms of like time is finite is I I read a meme earlier this year and then I was listening to a podcast the other day that talked just about this about you never ever know the last time you'll speak to somebody in your life yeah ever yeah I could leave here today and never see you again yeah which is like a horribly existential (laughs) like nihilist thing that I like don't want to have to think about yeah but the older we get I think the more of a reality it becomes oh my god and some might say for that reason that you should always be kind. Yeah. But for me, I don't, I think the greatest kindness is you should always be honest mm. and truthful mm-hmm. and authentic in how you engage with the people in your life and the opportunities that come up and the chances yes. that come up. Because you never know. Because you never know when it's going to be the last time or the last chance. And only upon like hindsight and reflection have I realized that. There have been so many times in my life where I wish I would have just told the person giving me the opportunity or the chance or the person on the other side of the phone that I was just afraid. Yeah. Rather than maybe pushing the opportunity aside or not being honest about how I felt. Mm. Like I wish that I would have just said honestly in those moments like I'm afraid or I don't know or Mm. I'm scared or I don't think I'm good enough or I miss you like or I wish things could be different like I don't ever regret not being kind but I always regret not being 100% honest yeah in the times and the opportunities where I had the chances to so like if a gig came up that I didn't take Mm. because I was afraid I wish I could have just told the person that I was afraid to take it yeah and then maybe given them the opportunity to validate me and boost me up and then meet me in the middle and accommodate me to make me feel brave to do it yeah or if somebody hurt me rather than just like walking away Mm. and like eating it Mm. and going with grace as Taylor Swift would say (laughs) I wish that I would have just made a fucking fuss and been like, no, you treated me poorly and yeah. I'm disappointed in you and you've hurt me and you don't like, I wish. Yeah, because time is so finite mm. and these opportunities that we have to show up as ourselves are, you know, just ticking down every day yeah. that we're alive and like life isn't guaranteed. And I don't want to continue forward in a life where I am not myself. Yeah. Do you feel that in those times you're wearing that mask? always yeah and I think that's where where a lot of my grief has come from especially in the last couple of years is grieving making other people feel comfortable and enduring my own discomfort mm-hmm. um, rather than just being honest and authentic yeah you know I think a lot of the time we avoid conflict and we avoid conversations or interactions that are disruptive of like the status quo and the way that we're supposed to converse and supposed to connect and there like there are so many people I would have I wish I would have just told like I don't like your behavior right now or I don't like your character I don't understand why you're doing this this way like I wish I would have engaged 
rather than maybe walked away with grace Mm -hmm. or quietly. Um, There are times where like, I wish I would have like hugged somebody a little bit tighter if I'd known that it was the last time I would ever see that person, even if they hurt me. Yeah. I wish I would have just hugged them a little bit tighter. Yeah. Because you really never know the last time that you're going to see somebody. Yeah. And the last time that you're going to engage with somebody. And so I just want to, moving forward, stand behind how I show up Mm -hmm. in every interaction and stay present and say goodbye with presence and just be myself. Yeah. So then I can like stand behind every interaction that I have and know that I just like showed up honestly. Mm -hmm. So my number nine. nine yeah your values are gonna change Ooh, yes they are yeah your values from what you valued in your 20s i don't even to be honest fucking remember what i valued in my 20s i'm embarrassed of what i valued in my 20s because it's been so long it feels like such a fucking distant memory in my 20s i remember going to university i remember obligation that was a value in my 20s obligation to society obligation that you thought i thought i had to my parents right um obligation yeah that's like a big that was a big value and now my values are family my values are my like my faith my values are and faith in terms of like things happen at the time they're supposed again timing is everything that is a value for me because in the quran it does say whatever is meant for you will be for you and that is a universal saying it's not just a religious saying but i believe in that and that is one of my values and another value of mine is like being kind and respectful and being honest and true again showing up in an authentic way to myself is a value of mine before again a big one of the 20s yes was that obligation but that's less about me and less less about me and more about what society and everything else everybody else oh you're next to get married you're next to do this you're next to do that who said who's next who said Mm -hmm. i didn't know you had a crystal ball ma'am can you tell me when i'm winning a million (laughs) dollars and now it is things that actually make me happy things that make drive me things that i want to fight for people i want to fight for Mm -hmm. and your values are going to change big time and i think the older we get age-wise mentality-wise it's just like it's gonna affect you in a way that you never thought it would because it's all hindsight and it's all information it's all information and your values are just like again you said like how do you show up and my values are how i show up it's wild how much like how much your values can change with age like i went from not understanding a lick of like queer culture and queer history to racism to the economy to capitalism to politics like you you could try to talk to me about any of these things and my eyes would glaze over to like a decade later 
I care so much about so many parts of our society that like contribute to how we function and like work together and it's it's wild it's just wild how much we can change as people yeah yeah and you've never been in the position you are right now no as witnessing it as you you've never been in it you don't know how to do it so patience is another big one yeah yeah patience and trusting the timing and also like certain lessons come to you at certain times and sometimes you can't do anything with that information until you've reached another sort of stepping stone and it's all just like number 10 um okay my number 10 is a, a bit of a doozy um it's funny because it also has to do with obligation mm. and how obligation looks a lot like self-mutilation and self-abandonment mm. um obligation is a slippery slope like it starts so small where you're like well if i don't go to this thing i'm gonna disappoint somebody yeah but then it becomes like this circles back to like my my personal issues with like addiction and my issues with masking mm. and unmasking and how much I will put the obligations I have to myself second mm. to the obligations I feel to other people and society mm-hmm. and the narrative that I think I'm supposed to fulfill. Mm. So like I know that self-love is easy for me to maintain when I'm like in nature, when I'm moving my body, when I'm feeding myself good things, when I'm sleeping, when I'm connecting with other people. Mm -hmm. And those are really the only obligations I should be maintaining on any given day. Yeah. Other than like paying my taxes and like my phone bill. (laughs) (laughs) Other than responsibility. (laughs) But for whatever reason I find, and I see this with people I know and I see this within myself is it's like, I will neglect these things and start prioritizing obligations that I feel to other people Mm. or like entities. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I slide into like self-mutilation and self-abandonment. That's when like the negative self-talk starts. That's Mm. when I start comparing myself, when I start falling into like addiction patterns. Mm -hmm. But the biggest, biggest way that like obligation impacts me is like, when I cross my own boundaries in service of others to feel valued and validated Mm. rather than just seeing myself as valuable and valid exactly as I am. Yeah. It's like, I will be on the couch, cozy, tired, Mm -hmm. watching the movie that I want to be watching. Mm -hmm. And a friend will call me and she needs to vent. Mm. And It's like a toss-up between do I stay comfortable in this moment and nurture myself or do I like react to this obligatory need for me to feel valued and validated by showing up for this person Mm -hmm. even though I'm crossing my own boundaries in this moment. 
and granted, maybe it's not the greatest example because it's like, I do feel like you should show up for the people in your life. Yeah. But you have to put yourself first. Yeah. Because you can't show up honestly or authentically unless you're putting yourself and your needs first. Yeah. And this has just been a really interesting battle for me. Like, it's been so challenging. And Mm -hmm. the thing that's been the most helpful is asking myself, to who and to what am I trying to prove by, like, reacting to this obligation? Yeah. Because a lot of the time I'm making choices and decisions from, like, this moral code mm-hmm. where I feel like, what's the right thing to do? Like, what would a good person do? Mm-hmm. What's the honorable thing to do? Because a lot of those things are rooted in Catholicism, which yeah. is, like, what I grew up with is like, Roman Catholic. And a lot of these things are, like, tropes that we see in culture and media. Like, mm-hmm. again, going back to the full house, like, <laughs> like what's the right thing to do? Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, martyrdom that I think is also rooted in doing the right thing and, like, being in service and being honorable is to, like, be a martyr and martyr yourself and put yourself last to treat others good. But I, like, want to challenge that in, like, social engagements, in, like, work, in relationships. Like, I... The right thing for others is, like, not always going to be the right thing for me. And that's, like, a hard thing for me to reckon with is finding, like, a happy medium and a healthy balance and, like, moderation between being seen as good and kind and giving but without it being self-sacrificing and without it being obligatory and without it being... Because I feel like I have to do it because it's the right thing and the honorable thing to do. Yeah. And moving towards, I'm doing this because I care about this person and because I have the space and the capacity to give right now. But I know where my limits and my edges are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was a lot. No, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I watched... (laughs) I watched my parents throughout my childhood volunteer for everything yeah like my dad still volunteers he's like 30 years mm. he's the building and grounds manager of our community league yeah good old kids right and like my mom volunteered for every bingo my mom was always like coming in as an educational assistant when i was like really young mm-hmm. they've just like they would do any kind of fundraiser for the community league mm-hmm. um that's just the kind of people that they are. But I watched them for years do it and like not necessarily do it because like their friends were there and it was like a social fun thing and because they wanted to give back. It was like there was a really fine line between like obligation and like self-abandonment and like giving back to the community. And I watched them kind of toe and crisscross that line over and over again. And it it made it really hard for me understand where the line should be drawn and yeah. how how and when the line can be moved yeah there's the line in the sand like yeah. it's always going to move based on who what where when why, yeah. how and i'm trying to be better at that practice of asking myself like why do i feel obligated right now and it's like am i resisting something within myself 
while doing this? Mm. Like, is deep down my intuition saying, like, you're tired, stay cozy, don't answer the phone, but you're feeling like you're going to be rejected Mm. by the person on the other end if you don't show up right now? Or it's like... Do you feel that rejection was one of the biggest things in your life that molded your trauma oh this is that's a huge root for this is that fear of if i don't show up this is the time that i'll be rejected or i'll be seen as a bad person or i'll have a finger pointed at me for not being there and the fallout of that is going to be worse than the discomfort that I'm going to feel right now by crossing my boundary. So do you feel that it is a society that will reject you or it's case in point, like a friend or a group of friends or, you know, if that will be like, oh, they can't depend on me. It's a societal thing. or I think it's, it's both. Yeah. I think it shows up for me in both ways because mm-hmm. I think it's, again going back to the like writing scripts for myself it's like wanting to be seen and perceived in society as somebody dependable Mm. and somebody who's morally good and honorable and who's always going to do the right thing and who has this like really strong sense of like justice and like what is right Mm. and and how things should be in Mm. terms of like how we treat each other or how things are also like becoming more accepting that like other people's right and good and like moral compass is not the same as mine yeah and that it's not it's not meant to be this transactional reciprocal Mm -hmm. thing always like just because i make a decision based on like my morality doesn't mean that you're gonna make the similar kind of decision Mm -hmm. based on your morality even if our values are so similar Mm -hmm. But I think from like a personal standpoint, it's like really trying to navigate when I'm doing things based off of obligation. Yeah. Figuring out why I feel obligated. Mm -hmm. Is it because I'm fearing rejection? Is it I'm fearing fallout? Is it I'm trying to make things easy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or is this a I am choosing to do this thing because Mm -hmm. I have the capacity in this moment and I want to show up for this Mm -hmm. person because I love them and here are my defined edges and then also trying to figure out how to relate with other people who are working with obligation and like a different a different viewpoint number 10 um I deserve to be in my queen vibes and embrace who I am in my confidence and my queen vibes. Absolutely. It seems light, but for me, for the longest time, I, and uh, along with my queen vibes, it goes with recognizing that I am beautiful, not only mentally, emotionally, but also physically and to the outside world. Because for the longest time when I was a kid, and it has to probably do with where we went to school (laughs) and (laughs) where we grew up, I never felt beautiful. 
and always like being compared to other people and and i say queendom because i think there's a grace in finding who you are recognizing your beauty recognizing your confidence and your strength and all that you offer to the world there is such a beauty and a grace to that that i am stepping into that more and recognizing that for myself because i never felt that way about myself um and a lot of that had to go back again to my worth and am i enough and self-love and to now step into it and to realize like i am beautiful so you were at breakfast earlier and you were saying like i've never it's been a while since i've been in a restaurant with predominantly white people and it is weird and i was like let me tell you (laughs) because my life has been feeling like that experience of being the odd one out in the sea of white people mm-hmm. that for the longest time and honestly i do give beyonce this and all those caribbean songs this that mention being beautiful and brown skinned because caribbean song like reggae songs toga songs have had it for a long time then beyonce with brown skin girl and the magic that is with me within me of being brown and recognizing my culture recognizing who i am and recognizing that i am beautiful for who i am as a person first comes out on the outside later then who you are on the inside radiates out onto who you are on the outside and it took me a long time to be like you know what i am beautiful and I am a queen and I am I'm deserving of these things because I work hard for these things. I work mm-hmm. hard for my self-love and my self-worth. I work hard for the money that I make in a corporate world. I work hard for showing up for my family the way I want to show up for my family, right? To be a good daughter, to be a good friend, to be a good sister. To be these things that I hold value to myself for because it's easy for me to do it because it's what I want to do. And to show up in a way of confidence and grace and respect for myself, which is a big thing, because learning to respect yourself is a huge thing, (laughs) is one of these things that I'm like finally like stepping into and I know I belong here. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When do you feel you're most beautiful? Right now. I know that since like like a time of day I don't have. I feel that I'm more most beautiful when I'm in my space and listening to my instinct and mm. just being and just mm-hmm. being present is when I feel the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. It can be at any time of day, really. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a it's a self thing of knowing that in my in my tangents, in my TED talks, in my being, in my messiness, in my fumbled of words, that I feel beautiful because it's mean and it's authentic. Hearing you connect your like experience of your physical form 
with kind of your experience of how you've almost like reframed like self-love and beauty for yourself and then being able to verbalize it it's it's like so interesting sitting across from you and like hearing you say this because I can (laughs) see it physically in the way you're like holding yourself and it it's very um inspiring thank you it's just and it's (laughs) it's no like I mean it because it it it's an interesting reframe to think about experiencing yourself as beautiful versus the perception of being seen as beautiful yeah because those are two very different things oh my god because i think for the first maybe to when i was aware of reflection in puberty specifically because that's when we go through our roughest of times from 10 to 30 in 20 years it's everybody else's perception of me yes for for 20 years it is everybody else's perception of you yes until you do the work yes for your perception of yourself it's so i feel like you are putting into words something that i have also experienced but that i've struggled to connect like verbally with a feeling on the inside and then disconnect everybody else from that experience and to have it just be like an autonomous like individual experience mm-hmm. because that it's just so true like as soon as you're seen as like a sexually viable woman up until the minute that you this is gonna sound so fucked up but i'm saying it that's why we're here <laughs> almost until the minute where your fertility starts to go downhill yeah it's there is something about being a woman where you are innately like exist to be consumed or perceived or witnessed and the way that you see your own value and validation stems purely from this day-to-day archaic experience yeah of like misogyny really Mm -hmm. and like patriarchy and yada Mm -hmm. yada and then it's like one day when you start to realize that you are no longer as fertile as you once were and then you start to reckon with your aging reflection and your changing body and also your changing energy levels and you have to find ways to see yourself as valuable outside of like your youth and your fertility and the way that those are seen by others Mm -hmm. regardless of what circle or what your community is like or whatever it's a fucking trip it's it's hard and then you really have to do this internal work of seeing yourself as beautiful and perfect and interesting and I don't know, all of these positive things, but all on your own without a feedback loop to like define you. I remember, I remember exactly the age I was when people stopped asking me when I was getting married and I was like 29, 31. Mm -hmm. 
my sister had gotten married when I was like so 26 I was 26 when my sister got married so up until I was 29 people would be like oh you're next or whatever when I was 29 it stopped and it's like you said because I was no longer viewed as something that was fertile or desired for an outcome that helped somebody else or society Mm -hmm. to procreate and I saw this thing on TikTok and there's this woman and she's 32 and she's like I am not going to take a criticism from a 40 whatever year old who said that I'm too old because he's after a 25 year old because the only reason you're after a 25 year old let's say is sure you could have things in common that's not the point but because they are more fertile and I am now at the bottom of the pole because I am no longer this to you. That does not mean I'm any less beautiful. That does not mean I'm any less that's mm. dope. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be because timing is everything, but I'm exactly who I need to be for me because I'm not going to be validated by society. It's interesting to see how, I guess like, okay, my brain goes two places. One, I think back to things that my mother told me when I was probably far too young to understand the depth of what she was trying to communicate to me and for a long time these things traumatized me and now that I've reached the age that I'm at I see them as like her genuinely just trying to warn me about how the world works and one was you know in my teenage years being like you got to find like a good man as soon as you can because, you know, it's going to be slim pickings the older you get Facts. and you're <laughs> only this pretty and this, she didn't say it, but I get it now, fertile for so long and desirable for so long and don't you want to find a nice man who can take care of you? And I was very resentful of that for a long time, but I understand now more than ever before that she was just speaking from her generation mm-hmm. of like, you know, growing up in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, where it was like her parents had kids to help take care of their land. Mm-hmm. You know, like she was a product of like <laughs> free labor, yeah. really. And then grew up and grew old or like older in a society where women were seen as property of men really mm-hmm. like it was only in the 70s when women really started to like actively work regularly yeah which is when my mom would have been about 20 yeah which is wild to think about yeah but then i remember her telling me another thing about how after she had me at 33 mm-hmm. which i always i find really like special being 33 now and how she had me at 33 yeah She said that the way that the world saw her changed overnight. Mm. As soon as she was a mother, she was no longer seen the same way that she was before she was a mother. And granted, she had had my brother before me, but she said that she really felt it after she had me because she she was used up. Mm. She did the thing that she was supposed to do. She had the babies. You know, she had the husband. She was the wife. Mm hmm. And she said that's, that the way society saw her changed and that never has society really made her feel like beautiful or valued again. Mm. 
it was when she had toddlers like that was it she was no longer young she was no longer this like fertile nubile like beautiful Mm -hmm. woman Mm -hmm. she was an aging mother Mm -hmm. and that that rocked her absolutely rocked her and how she saw herself yeah and her value and she definitely shared this with me when I was far too young to understand but now being 33 and over the last like three or four years I've gone through a very similar thing that you have where I have felt that feedback loop change yeah and part of it has also been because of coming out as like queer Mm. and like reckoning with like gender and reckoning with my understanding of like my sexuality and who I'm attracted to and yada 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 Mm. a whole other episode worth of content (laughs) um but yeah you really do have to reach a point in your own journey of stepping into the beauty and grace of you because kids are not I could have been 23 with two toddlers and why is that preventing me from stepping into my queendom still I mean you you know our bodies again we say it like we said it earlier our bodies are in such a unique space where we can create life carry if you have twins you can carry both life forces male and female and coexisting in one spot and you can have like children to full term so much older than you ever could before absolutely but i think that what we're seeing in culture and media i'm just going to use like beyonce and the kardashians as two examples where you see these women who have had children later in life and that aesthetically look the way that they do Mm. because of their access to surgery Mm-hmm. to even just like the way that they're photographed the way yeah, that they're absolutely. clothed the absolutely. way that they perform and kind of continue this this performance of their femininity in front of the cameras mm-hmm. but it's like we don't see in culture and media regular people just regular <laughs> people giving birth to children and maybe these people are in their late 30s yeah you know and they're having healthy children and they've got sagging stomachs and sagging like chests and wrinkles and jowls and like they're happy yeah and healthy and thrive you don't really see that in mainstream media you really have to seek it out and like big ups to like platforms like youtube and like tiktok but do allow us to see this now but then also you have to wonder if that is extending the like feedback loop Mm. Of where it's like rather than feeling that like internal journey mm. that maybe because we have access to social media and we're putting ourselves out there in all of our vulnerable glory that that validation we're getting from social media is maybe replacing that internal validation experience. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. 11. My last one is short and sweet. Okay. Um that the truth and that your truth it has legs Mm -hmm. that any traumatic emotions that are hiding in you they're like water Mm. they're gonna find the cracks and find their way out sooner or later yeah and that you just have to learn to really trust your gut and your intuition um yeah 
sometimes we tell ourselves little lies that span generations. Ah, generational trauma. Sometimes we shove trauma deep down into our guts and it comes out little bits at a time. Yeah. And that the easiest way through it is to just trust our intuition and trust our gut through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you gotta do. That's all I got. (laughs) That's it. My number 11 kind of wraps up everything that we've talked about in terms of human experience. I'm not responsible for other people's perception and version of me. You are not. That is, that is it. I'm not. And I'm going to leave it with a little quote from Mr. Feeney, good old Boy Meets World. Fuck, I love Boy Meets World. Oh my God, so great. It is. If you let people's perception of you dictate your behavior, you will never grow as a person. But if you leave yourself open to experience, despite what others might think, then you will learn and you will grow. Mr. Feeney strikes again. (laughs) So leave yourself open to experiences and and life. And, you know, it goes back to my thing of my first thing of like, you're going to have to do some things alone because you have to. And sometimes you're going to choose to do those things alone. But to keep yourself open, look how many beautiful things have happened for myself in my own life because i was like fucking scared to do things by myself but i did them because i needed to do them how how am i gonna grow and be a person that i'm proud of be a person that if i choose to freeze my eggs and have a surrogate when i'm 45 and carry this these lessons on to a child how am i gonna do that if i didn't grow for myself and learn for myself if for my niece for my friends for people not even children but people that come into my life because they're going to be new people that come into your life like new seasons and how do i share my experiences with them if i don't understand them myself you can disappoint other people and they'll either get out like get over it or they'll get out of your life absolutely but if you disappoint yourself that sometimes there is a grief associated with that that will linger for a really long fucking time yeah and yeah you don't want to have you know it goes back to your carousel do i have a, a regret on this carousel or do i do it because i did it even though i jumped and a parachute caught me it's so wild how much we've been conditioned to like fulfill narratives and like fulfill sort of like meeting other people's expectations Mm. and where we just feel like how much of like getting older is just like shedding so much of how we've been conditioned to function in society Mm. yeah that's where it just gets messy and it's like sometimes it's like not even our mess it's like (laughs) it's not it's other people's mess mess. that we're like sweeping off (laughs) so stupid so dumb uh, Larissa, what are your top five songs? Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, my top five songs are, um, we're going to start with Taylor Swift and just get her out of the way. <laughs> um, but on her new Midnight's album, there's a track called You're On Your Own Kid. Mm. That one hits. <laughs> um, Intimidated, featuring her by Kat Trinata. Mm-hmm. Um, Till Now by Banks 
um, Brandy Carlisle, Right on Time. And just to round it out, Massive by Drake. <laughs> Why not? And you're ready. Are you ready? <laughs> uh, mine are Coming Back for You by Fireboy DML. Oh, Fireboy DML. I was going to have Peru on my list and then mm. I had to let it go and put Massive there. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Energy by Beyonce featuring Beam. Love it. Camino que yo voy detrás. By Amy Nuvola, uh, Amazing by Mary J. Blige, and Someday by Madison Watkins. Thank you for joining me on this episode to close out 2022. I truly appreciate you. I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate us growing and learning together because we've learned, we've grown a lot. And to continue to watch you grow and be there in your messiness, it's part of your security i am more than happy to do it thank you for having me and for i don't know teaching me so much yeah we teach have people in your life that teach you things even when it's hard and messy and you get it wrong sometimes that's okay yeah yeah i agree yeah (laughs) thank you listeners bye thank you for listening to what's your hustle created produced and hosted by yours truly halima hussein we'll be back in 2023 with brand new episodes i wish everyone a very happy holidays and an amazing new year be sure to follow us on instagram at what's your hustle podcast subscribe listen rate review on apple podcast follow on spotify as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts and until next time whatever your hustle is you got this